When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. You came in hot. Hi, everybody. We got a great show for you today. Carrie took her steroids. I had two cups of fully leaded coffee. It's a great Wednesday. We've got a great show today. First, we're chatting about mom households. There are some single moms who are really doing it, and we're going to talk about that New York Times article that talks about them. Then we're asking, what's the deal with Fancy Nancy? Oh, she's so fancy. She's so fancy. I'll tell you what's not, that animation style. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next, take it away, child. The tits and the sits. I never let you guys know what's happening with grad school. They let me in, making exceptions, because the last time I left it, I was like, now maybe I'm not in. I don't know. <laughs> they made exceptions, and I literally got in two days after the semester started, so have been playing catch-up. I'm in week three, and I freaking love it. I love it so hard. I said earlier, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner, but I do know why I didn't do it sooner because I was a working artist in New York City trying to pay rent and that's why I couldn't do it. Yeah. I love it so much, but it's a lot. People do it as their full-time job. I feel like most education grad school, though, they do it while they're working, right? Not always. Some people go right from college to grad school. Oh. Shows you how much interest I've ever had in going back to school. I just wish there were more hours in the day. I don't mind writing the papers. I like reading. It's just trying to make hours in the day that don't exist is tricky. So that was just a preface. So my tip and shit today is we are getting ready to embark not only on Lee and I taking a vacation to Sicily, another last minute thing, trying to get my kid to my mom's house for that, doing my student teaching hours before I leave for Italy this week in South Jersey at my mom's, packing, recording the show. And so today Luna was nervous. She does the same thing we do, which she knew it was a big day, so she didn't sleep well. She kept getting up being like, is it morning yet? Do we have to go to school and then go to Nani's? And so I let her sleep in and be late for school. She had anxiety sleeps, which I know how that is. Don't we all? I dropped her off at school, dropped off the library books that were due, went to CVS to pick up prescriptions and travel size things, and then went to Starbucks to get my Starbucks. And as I'm walking back into the CVS parking lot with my Starbucks and my prescription and my kid at school, I thought, fuck, I feel like an adult. Isn't it funny how that happens on a day where you're just kicking ass, handling everything? There's this weird sense of pride that kind of washes over you by just being functioning. Just being able to handle it, you're like, I'm so proud of myself. I feel like a grown-up. Because most days I feel like imposter syndrome grown-up. Because I feel like a 20-year-old who's playing house or something. Also, most days it feels too hard. It just all feels like too much and too hard. But I was walking. I picked the CVS across from the Starbucks. I put my order in from the app. So I just walked in, got my shit. I was walking with a sense of weight, not in a bad way. I was like, I'm a fucking grown-up. Yeah. I don't know what about that triptych of school drop-off library 
book return, CVS and Starbucks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to make sense. It just does in your head. I don't know whether that's a tip or a shit, but I just had a feeling of like, oh man, I'm an adult. That's all I got. And you? I have a few things. I don't even know when this episode airs. We're recording so far in advance. I'm sure this will be long done, but Scandaval has been all-consuming, and I love it so much. It's really fun drama to be all-consumed in. It makes me want to watch from the beginning, but there's been so many seasons, I can't catch up. I mean, you're going to be on an eight-hour plane ride, so you do have a lot of time. It is so fucking good. People that I know that don't normally like reality television are as deeply into this as you are. Yeah. Because sometimes I discount what you say because I know you love reality reality TV. But people that I know that are not into that are like, no, this is really good. This is the thing. Vanderpump Rules has been serving the absolute fucking most from day one. Truly. From the first episode of the first season. Well, there was so much fucking and cheating. cheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did watch one season of Vanderpump. It's so good. I've been reading think pieces and Matt and I sit in bed and we're like, why do we think that this is the thing that has captivated people to this extent? We don't really have an answer. I still have not come up with one. He looks like such a D-bag. He looks like he's trying to audition to be Nick Cage's body double in a vampire movie. He's always been a D-bag and I have to say before all this shit went down when this season started, Matt and I were both like, this is the best he's ever looked. That's sad. Yeah, this 70s porno thing that he's doing actually very much works and it has been a great look for him. You know what's not a great look is his personality. Also, I had my high school reunion this weekend. You looked so good. For me, it's important in situations like this to not be like, oh, I'm so on trend. It's really just important to be the most elevated version of me feeling like myself, which I accomplished. I still had jeans with a rip in them and shit like that. I had a graduating class of 16. Eight people from the class showed up. So half of our graduating class was there. Did your ex-best friend or no? No, she didn't. I'm thinking I might reach out and be like, hey, I was really sad you weren't there. Would love to catch up at some point. But I don't know. It just was really nice. And it was nice to catch up and see how people's lives are. And now we all text each other. And I'm sure that'll die down like today, two days later. Also, I was so hungover. We went to the reunion. Then we went upstairs. They have some speakeasy. I put that in air quotes because it was cheesy. And then a lot of us went to go get pizza. I got home at like one in the morning and my mom, who was watching Sebastian, came out of her room. She thought I was coked up. My mom thought Matt and I were on cocaine. And the next morning, she was like, I am so disappointed in you. And I was like, for getting drunk? And she's like, for the drugs. And I was like, what drugs? She said, for cocaine. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Huh? And she's like, your pupils were so dilated. I said, I was drunk. I swear to God. That's not your style anyway. No, not at all my style. I'm like, I can't even believe at 37 years old, my mom is angry at me for coming home to my house fucked up and thinks it's cocaine. I was like, do you know people die from coke now? They put fentanyl in that shit and you could just die from anything. Why would I do that? And I literally had to make her believe I didn't do cocaine. You're like, make me pee on a test. And then I told Matt, Matt was like, if we did cocaine, we wouldn't be home at one in the morning. We'd be home at like five in the morning. I was like, see, that's how little I know about doing cocaine that I didn't even think of that. And I said that to my mom. She goes, well, that's not your style. And I said, neither is cocaine. Like, it's not. Dad, come on now. I was just mixing booze in a lot of different ways. That's all shots, beers, wine. You would not have been able to go to sleep. Exactly Matt's point. I have never done cocaine 
but I was the babysitter for all of my friends who did do cocaine, so I know what it looks like. Let me just tell you, if I have too much sugar, my heart can't take that. I can't imagine. I'm like, ooh, I had a piece of cake without any protein. Yes. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> well, we were going from the one spot downstairs to the upstairs spot. Matt turned to me, and he's like, you got to lock it up. You're getting a little too loosey-goosey. You're talking real loud. And I was like, okay. And he said, once I got upstairs, I was totally fine. You get you a man that lets you know when you need to lock it up. Only because I said going into it, I was like, I don't want to get so fucked up that I embarrass myself. Yeah. At one point, I was talking to two girls and we were talking about how our titties have aged, you know, typical mom shit. This one girl goes, oh, poor Ashley, poor Ashley, who was always so pretty and had pretty parents that were young and cool. Poor Ashley. And I just started laughing. I was like, okay, I won't talk about it anymore. I don't know what to tell you. You want me to whip a titty out? You want me to whip a titty out? (laughs) Like, do you want to see these tits? Because if you saw them, you would get it. So there was a New York Times article that I then saw blasted out pretty much on every social media, every mom group, every everything. And it's because every woman I know, even before kids, have talked about this concept, single mother households. They interviewed a couple people. One was this little mom-yune, they're calling it, instead of a commune. Cute, I guess. In South Florida. Already they've made terrible choices, and that one choice is living in Florida. They then moved, by the way. Oh, thank God. Good for them. It's this little commune for single mothers. I think it was three or four mothers got to together. They first rented a big property. It started in the pandemic and divorce. All things were happening at the same time. And it's an actual support system. One person helps take care of the kids while the other one's at work. One person makes dinner. They're actually co-parenting and helping each other in all aspects of motherhood. I think that makes so much sense. A lot of women that they interviewed, because they've interviewed a bunch of different women, said they should have moved into a mom unit years ago. They share all the cooking, all the childcare, all the expenses, everything. Do they have a shared bank account, like a kibbutz? They didn't say a shared bank account, but I think they split all the bills and stuff. I don't know if they have an actual shared bank account. They didn't go into that. That's my one issue with them. I don't want to share a bank account. It's just like if you had roommates, they just share the bills equally. Got it. They said for the first time ever in their lives, they feel an equal load distribution for the first time in their entire lives. Wow. The author of this goes on to say that this isn't actually a novel concept. Non-white households have been doing it for years. So in Latino culture, there is an idea of a co-mother, a person who supports you and helps you raise your children. I'm a Latina and I had no idea that existed. And in other cultures too, this idea of the extended family. Well, that, yes. It doesn't necessarily have to be an extended family. It can literally just be another person that you raise your people. But it's been done in non-white households for years, both in the United States and outside the United States. Hello, kibbutzes. Right. Why it seems to have grown in popularity is because in the pandemic, we had these pods and we started to think outside of our family unit because everything was up in the air. We did it with the second floor of our Brooklyn building. We all had to work from home. We went to one person's apartment. It was like the co-working space that was quiet without kids and the other house was the one where all the kids were. And so they said this idea of pod in the pandemic made this transition transition to the mom unit a little bit easier because we were kind of thinking this way anyway. They were talking about people in pandemic exploring different ideas of what partnership means. And a mom unit is a different kind of partnership. You're stretching the emotional boundaries of what a family, I'm putting that in air quotes, is. Nearly 80% of single parent families in the U.S. are headed by single moms. And these units are far more likely to experience poverty, low self-esteem, and lack of emotional support. To quote some things from 
the article, they say sharing resources is the key and can also be an antidote not just to role strain, but social isolation and stigma. Listen, my mom as a single mom, there wasn't a lot of socialization for her outside of work. And that was because she was a single mom. She didn't have a whole lot of time to do anything aside from work a full-time job and take care of a kid. There was definitely some isolation because back when I was a kid, there wasn't as much divorce. And especially in my town, we didn't really know any other divorced people. It wasn't like she could date a ton either. And she also lived with her parents. I think about this all the time. If something ever happened where I was now a single mother, I think dating would probably be the lowest priority of all things to me. Right. And just like you experienced when you lived with your parents, it cramps your style. Oh, totally. And that was the only way that my mom could make it work was for us to all live together. I mean, she had a mom un of her own. It was just her family. Right. So another quote from here, sharing a home offers single mothers a key thing that is often taken away when their relationships fall apart. Economic mobility, which I was like, yes. Yeah. A lot of the co-living community, they're calling each other platonic spouses, which is kind of what I call some of my best friends, platonic spouses. And I love this. Some women that started a mom un together are buying multiple homes and properties and then renting them out to single mothers. It's almost like they're a little corporation. This group of moms that was able to economically repair or rehabilitate or whatever are then buying property together and empowering and renting to other single mothers. And if we go back to our conversation with Stacey Francis, who's the woman who teaches women how to prepare for divorce and stuff, she said herself, more often than not, women do not bounce back economically after a divorce, but men do. And we know all the reasons why. Absolutely. Same reasons why it was hard for me to go to grad school. The large burden of the household and taking care of the kids. Our financial success is second to everything else. And not to mention there's oftentimes a gap on your resume because you've been home raising your child, which is often used against you. Yep. So another good quote. In the patriarchal, heteronormative story, you get divorced and you stay in the house or you buy another home and then you live this isolated life where you're supposed to date and fall in love again and get remarried or blend families. It seems like it's always binary. And we have dispelled this myth that there's only one path forward. So there's a couple other places that are doing this. There's something called Co-Abode and it's a house sharing platform for single mothers and it's not for profit. So it's like a Airbnb but for permanent situations. Correct. And then in France there was a commune, a residential housing development for only single parent households. I love that. And then just as in all things, there's a reality television show about that Florida mommune in the works because they were young, pretty, blonde-haired girls <laughs> that are on that mommune. That'll do it. When my friend Jill was sick with cancer and I did not have a kid at the time, I kind of moved into their family unit and I became, I would call it co-wife to her husband or co-parent. I was like a non-sexual spouse in that relationship in all the ways. I was a spouse to Jill in the hospital. I was a spouse to her husband at home when she couldn't be at home. And I was a part of their family rearing decisions. And it was some of the best times of my life. I mean, obviously it was because of a very sad reason that I was there. Everything worked out. But we really gelled together and came together as this unit where I was someone helping to raise the kids. In my Italian family, it's culturally an Italian thing. I mean, I feel bad for all the older sisters who weren't married first, but you're supposed to wait for the oldest daughter or sister to get married. And if there's no prospects and you get married first, she has to move in with you and help raise your children. And that's what happened to my grandmother, to my dad's mom. She got married before her older sister and the older sister moved in 
from day one, right after getting married and lived with them and took care of the house and all the kids. I do know married people who currently do or have lived in commune here in Jersey City, where they have a house and multiple couples with children live in there and they share responsibilities and split bills. It's not for me, at least in a married situation. I do not want that, but I get it. I think it makes sense. I think if it works for you, do it. I love that women are coming together to support each other. Just having other people help raise your child, that does away with a financial strain on its own. Just that little second floor situation I had when I lived in Brooklyn with Cassandra. I mean, we didn't share finances. Right. We would literally plan our week and be like, when do you have a meeting? I'll schedule my meeting, not then. Drop the kids off at my house. You have a busy week? I'll cook dinner for everyone in our house. We really had that to a certain extent. And the two takeaways, in my opinion, in the only way that this would work for me, whether I was married or not, is that it would have to be a lot of space because I don't like cohabitating with anyone. Agreed. Not even a friend. I'm not a roommate's person. And then I think it really is a dynamic. Not every friend could I do that with. There are friends that I love dearly that I could never do that with. You and I wouldn't be able to do that together. I don't think so. It's not any statement on how we love each other or anything. One person definitely has to have more chill. Right. And that person is not you or I. Not at all. Cassandra has more chill. Valerie has more chill. Jill has more chill. I'm the hot tamale on that one. The two of us were just too hot to do it. 100%. You have a lot more tolerance than I do, I would say, about people being different. I just know I have limitations in many different aspects of things. I couldn't be with just any guy. I couldn't be at any job. My disposition, and I would say yours as well, really makes it so that we have to be selective about certain things. I think what makes us a good business duo is the same thing that would not make us a good cohabitating mom duo. Totally. And that's okay. We would get shit done, but at what cost? We'd also probably kill each other we may end on bad terms because I'm sitting here thinking like wow this sounds so lovely but also it would probably be one of the most toxic breakups not with you like if I was in a mom yoon situation it would take so little for me to be like I'm out of here there's so many different factors and I think that when it works it's so life-changing yeah but I'm all for everyone trying this because I think this is an amazing idea agreed What's the deal with Fancy Nancy? Oh, Fancy Nancy. I haven't watched it in like three years. Thank God. My kid is full on in a Fancy Nancy phase. Oh, really? It was when Sebastian was little that we watched it. Luna is very reminiscent of Fancy Nancy, so it makes sense. Let me first start off by saying, I know the now woman, she was a girl when I knew her before, that voice is Fancy Nancy. Okay. So I feel slightly bad. about this except a job's a job and she does a great job at the job but I feel slightly badly about this because I know the girl who is Fancy Nancy. That being said the books hit different than the show. You know I collect kids books. Yeah. Before Sebastian was born my mom had gifted me a Fancy Nancy book. She was like this really just reminded me of who you were as a little kid and I get that. The books are totally cute. I'm fine with the books. The library books that I talked about that we were returning two of them were Fancy Nancy. I'm good with the books. However on the show the precocious that you find in the books that's funny and charming voiced is the most obnoxious and rude child yes she's obnoxious and rude to her parents she's obnoxious and rude to her friends to her brother I don't know how she has friends me neither she's so shitty to her parents it's not endearing in the way it is in the book well I'm going to do this excuse me I'd be like the fuck you are fancy she's like what seven years old yeah calm the fuck down fancy back it up ay 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 and the thing is my daughter is already fancy. She saw that show and she's like, oh, I feel like fancy because I'm the fanciest person 
person in this family. I was like, fuck, you aren't. We're tired, okay? Lee and I are very fancy people, but we're tired. And you know why we're tired? Because of you. So you go on and think that you're the fucking fanciest one in the family. Also, have you seen Uncle Jimmy? Have you ever seen Uncle Jimmy in a sensible shoe? No. Uncle Jimmy wears a suit to the airport. He is fucking fancy, okay? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if Sebastian came to me and said he was the fanciest person in the house, I would actually be offended. I would be like, have we met? You wipe your boogers on your shirt. That is not fancy. You literally can't think without yanking on your wiener, okay? (laughs) So really, who's the fancy one? So Luna has started throwing around French phrases, which makes her more obnoxious. Fancy Nancy is always like, it has a certain je ne sais quoi. That's a fancy word for something special. Oh, God. So Luna's like, bonjour mama that's what she said this morning i was like back it up it is 6 a.m your hatch light turned pink you come in hot with bonjour mama go the fuck back to sleep (laughs) (laughs) get out of here child and then lee because he's french canadian talks french back to her i'm like you two are too much that's because lee fancies himself as a fancy nancy lee is fucking fancy nancy (laughs) Of everyone in your house, Lee is the fanciest Nancy. He's like, Luna, do you want to hear more French? Je m'appelle Luna! (laughs) And I just keep thinking about that SNL sketch with Alec Baldwin where he's like, Je m'appelle Robert! Oh my god. All I have to say is if I heard a child throwing around fucking French phrases on the street, I would want to flick her. I would get so annoyed. I'd be like, who is this pretentious child? I know. Speaking half French, half English on the streets of Montclair. She also models terrible behavior. There's this one episode where she goes to a Halloween party and she's made her costume. And a girl comes and her mom has bought the same character. And Fancy Nancy tells this girl that she can't go into the Halloween party because hers is store-bought. I'm like, Fancy, rude. I think Fancy Nancy is one of the rudest bitches I've ever seen. You can say that you like your costume better because it was made with love, but you can't tell people they can't come into a party that isn't even thrown by you. No, you cannot say my costume's better because it was made with love. Fuck you. And then she was like, the price tag's still on. I was like, oh! Fancy, you're such a bitch. Also, she gives curly hair a bad name. I think the author of that book must have curly hair because so many of the characters in that book have curly hair, but Fancy's hair always looks horrible. If she was a fancy girl, she would make her hair more fancy. I appreciate that it's curly and unruly because mine is, but her hair looks terrible. I'm like, Fancy, start with the hair and keep it curly, but let me give you a six-step curly hair routine because it's not looking good. Also, why don't you have your parents buy you some kid-sized high heels? Why don't your shoes fit? (laughs) Maybe a dress so your little girl boobs aren't coming out. Something appropriate for your size. She always has to wear thick socks. I was like, thick socks are not a good look with those heels, boo. She's always a mess. She's always got clips and a headband. Look in the mirror, take something off fancy. And I'm all about accessorizing, but it's just too much. She often wears those high go-go boots, the red ones. She brings those out all the time. I was like, where'd you get some red high heel go-go boots? Why does being fancy mean you're a hua? Nobody's worn knee-high red boots since fucking... (laughs) Vivian in Pretty Woman. You know why? Because it's the look of a prostitute, which is fine, but not appropriate for a child. We love the one where Fancy tries to find a dog. She first has a papillon, which is French for butterfly. Of course she has a papillon. The papillon doesn't like her family because her family's too loud. She goes into the pound and goes, give me the fanciest dog you You know Matt really wants a papillon? He would. He thinks they look like cheese, but with these big ears, he loves them. If I had a papillon, I'd name her TLC. Why? Because her ears look like waterfalls that I'd be chasing. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to name mine Fancy. Fancy Nancy. Also, Nancy is the least fancy name ever. It's a mother-in-law name. It was popular for like 18-year-olds in the 80s. That's the last time Nancy was a cool name. The only Nancys I know are 75 plus. The other thing is, although I know the actress that voices Fancy Nancy. It's an annoying voice, I'll say it. She picked the right voice because it's annoying as fuck and so is Fancy Nancy. Yes. <laughs> Bonjour, mama. I want the puppy all. If I saw that kid on the street, I would fucking eye roll my eyes out of my head. That's nice. I'd want to smack her. Spoiler alert for anyone who's never listened to our show. Kids annoy me, including my own. When we took Sebastian for his interview to get into the school. Yeah, when do we find out about that? By June 10th, I think, or something. But I had a dream about it, and so I feel like it's going to happen any day. Anyway, there were a bunch of little girls that gave off that kind of energy. I mean, Luna is one of those, sadly. I can't. They irritate the shit out of me. Luna has started belting sweatshirts with a ribbon. I gotta say, I like that. I'm into the belted sweatshirt vibe. Very cute. Very petite Ariana Grande, as long as she doesn't have hooker boots. I'm into the belted sweatshirt. Except it's a zip-up unicorn sweatshirt and a hot pink ribbon. She's trying. She goes, I want to be able to see my body. I wish the face that I just made of absolute horror and shock could translate to sound. I'm like, you're not I'm not a dancer. I need to see the movement of my body. Here's the thing. You know that your old vintage college sweatshirt or whatever? Yeah. If she wore that with the sleeves rolled and tied at the waist. A nice brown leather belt. I love that vibe. How cute. I wish I knew somebody who was big enough and had a sweatshirt I could do that too. But anyway, those little girls that came in, and I was one of those little girls. For the record, let the record show. You were a fucking fancy Nancy. Yes, I was. Like, why does it irritate me so much as children? But it does. Because it's putting a mirror on yourself. <laughs> I don't know. It just annoys the shit out of me. Listen, there's shit my kid does that annoys the shit out of me, too. Anyway, Fancy Nancy. Part of me wants to be like, no more watching Fancy Nancy, but it keeps her quiet. I have schoolwork. I have to get done. Also, there's worse things. Just because Fancy Nancy's annoying as fuck. I've tried to peep out of my school book and watch and be like, that's not a kind thing to say, Luna. Yeah, but there are worse things. Sebastian watches Always Funny Videos channel. It's the Pluto TV channel. It's basically America's Funniest Videos on loop. People falling and shit. Right. It's the most boy thing ever. And just pulls on his ween while he's watching it. My ex-boyfriend, Kenny, just nonstop watch bloopers of people falling and hurting themselves. We know my favorite TikTok is that channel where kids just get hurt. <laughs> I'm the wicked witch. There's a lady who's stomping on grapes for a segment and she's like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, I've seen that. I also love when Kelsey Grammer fell off the stage. There's so many. My favorite kind of humor is when people get scared, like shock humor. My mom used to do this thing when she was little and she did it once when I was older. You take a Brillo pad and you pull it out so it's in the shape of a mouse. And my grandmother, she's dead now, my grandmother was asleep on the recliner. We counted to three and one of us screamed and the other one threw the Brillo pad. And you killed her. I mean, he could have given her a heart attack. That bitch jumped out of her seat. I laughed so hard. I love when people get so scared by something actually harmless. Hashtag swag bag. So I believe this has been one of our swag bags. It's been one of mine, I think. It's in my back bag. I've reformed my relationship with my TINS machine. Basically, I have this hip thing that has been bothering me for a really long time and I didn't know what it was. And then I found out my hip flexor, something happened and it's so tight and jammed up that it's messing up my whole hip area. I only realized it by getting so much massage that they found the actual area. It's so deep. And I've just been trying to work on it slowly with my Theragun and with the 
Tins machine because it's way down deep in there. I'm literally doing so much that I'm bruised half the time. It got blood flow in there because it was feeling like a dead limb. And then I got that Tins machine in there and I could do it while I was studying. That's the other thing. It has to be someone doing something to me while I'm doing something else. Well, I will tell you, you know how I have my back issue every so often my back goes out. It helps so much. That Tins machine is probably one of the best investments I think anyone can make. And I would not wait until your back goes out. I would get it preemptively once you hit 35. Yeah, it should be the gift. Right. The government should give us all a TENS machine when we hit 35. And I keep it in a bag with all my other back products. I call it my back bag. Sometimes I travel with it. The hot tip is women are putting it on their face and it's tightening their muscles. I haven't done it. I'm a little scared, but that's what I've seen. I forget what you were doing, but one time you had the TENS machine on and we had to go do something. You were wearing it on. I think it was when we were in Scary Mommy or something. Everything was fine. And then it changed its setting and you're like, ah! <laughs> but no one knew you had it all because it was tucked into your face. It's just such a weird feeling. Okay, so mine is, God, I hate that this is it, but it really is incredible. It's an electric spin scrubber to clean your bathtub. I've wanted one of those. So I finally got one. It is worth every single penny. Now, do you have the one that attaches onto a drill bit or is it its own thing? No, it's its own thing because I'm so tall. Not like I'm a giant. Oh, my arms are so long. No, it's that I have to bend down further to scrub and it really hurts my back. And you can't take a shower with the TENS machine off. Right, exactly. And we usually have cleaning people come, but in between sometimes shit gets dirty, and especially now Clementine's really into getting a bath. Sebastian told you that one morning that the shower was dirty. Yeah, he was like, this shower is disgusting. Clean the shower, mom. And I was like, ew, why don't you fucking clean it? Okay, fancy. But it comes with five different scrubber things. I got it when it was on sale for like $45. Now today on Amazon, it's $51.99. But all I can tell you is it is worth every single penny. And I feel like it's one of those things that you could actually probably get Sebastian to use because it looks like a fun thing. Yeah, and you can use it anywhere. On your butthole. I would not suggest on your butthole because that brush would hurt very bad. That's a hot tip right there. That is a hot tip. Do not use it on your butthole. All right, there you have it, guys. Do not use a scrub brush for your shower on your butthole. What a day it's been. <laughs> the more you know. With the more you know star. Do, 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 do. Have a great week, guys. See you later. Bye, guys. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or mamadramaband.com. 